I saw a thing actually, a study that said speaking in front of a crowd is considered the number one fear of the average person. I found that amazing. Number two was death. <laughs> death is number two? This means to the average person, if you have to be at a funeral, you would rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. This is episode one of the In My Own Words podcast. I'm your host, your podcaster, your person that's talking in your ear for the day, Tony R. Sanders. Man, listen, I finally got a podcast. For all of you, all 10, 12, 15 of you who have been saying you should do a podcast, well, guess what? Here it is. This is my podcast. This is episode one. I'm not going to lie to you. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like I'm an expert in podcasts as far as listening to them. I can recommend you a ton, but as far as doing my own podcast, I have no idea what I'm doing. I am uh, just to paint the picture for you. I'm sitting in my bedroom. My kids are downstairs. They'll probably interrupt this at any moment. They haven't come up here within the last hour, but you know, once you start to do something, that's when the kids feel like it's, oh, let me go interrupt that. Um, I'm sitting on my floor while House of Cards is playing uh, on my TV on mute, which, you know, if you watch House of Cards, uh, at least when it was popular, you have to keep up with every single thing that they say. And I don't even have captions on. It's just playing and it's there. And I'm sitting on the floor in front of my couch in my bedroom watching House of Cards recording this podcast for you. And this was going to be a short one. Um, like I said, I'm still trying to figure things out. I was trying to figure out how to get a soundboard or plug my phone into my mixer so I can get sound. And I spent like 30 minutes on that and I quit. I gave up. <laughs> so the production value of this podcast will rise, hopefully, eventually, as we continue to go forward. But I really wanted to do this I, this podcast and dedicate this episode to what you can expect from the podcast, because that's important, right? You want to know when you're listening to a certain podcast what you're going there for, right? It's like going to a fast food chain or going to, you know, a restaurant or something like that. If you want something that's going to be super quick and inexpensive, then maybe you go to McDonald's, right? And if you want something that's going to be a little bit better but still is going to kill you, then you go to Wendy's, right? But you know what you're getting, when you get there, unless you go to Taco Bell, then no one knows what's in the meat. So you don't know what you're getting. But outside of that, at least you know you don't know what you're going to get. So we need to set expectations on this podcast. So I was thinking about this. And I think as we grow and as we evolve, there's going to be things that change, right? Um, this is the In My Own Words podcast, but I have no intentions on only sharing my thoughts, feelings, and opinions on things. I want to know what you guys are thinking too. So I'm going to have a few of my friends come on the podcast and we can talk and have conversations. And so they can tell you uh, in their own words how they feel about some of these topics. And uh, I already have a list of friends that I want to have on the podcast. And uh, coincidentally, those list of friends are also all the people that told me I should start a podcast. So in the event that this fails, they'll never be able to come to me and say, hey, remember that podcast shit you did that didn't go so well? No, that was our podcast. We did that. Me and you, episode three. That is us. My name next to your name. This is our podcast now. 
So I, I'm going to have guests on. I'm going to have some interesting people on. We're going to have great conversations. Uh, I'm going to try to figure out a way to get everyone involved because I love great conversations. And I can always feed on the people that are in the room. And so I definitely want to do that. I definitely want to talk about a bunch of different subjects. But more important than anything, uh, I, I've narrowed this podcast down for me just to just a couple of things, right? So I'm finding as you get older the less things you actually care about. As you get older, you start to care about less and less things because you realize the energy and the time and the brain power and the investment that comes with caring about something, right? When you were a kid, you had all the time and energy in the world. So you cared about dinosaurs. You cared about, you know, the Power Rangers and you cared about you know, the sun shining and you cared about the clouds and how does this work and why this and why that. And as an adult, you just don't care. I don't care what happened to the dinosaurs. They're not here anymore. <laughs> the only dinosaurs I worry about are the four children downstairs who I hope don't set the house on fire. Like, that's it. I start to narrow down some of the things that I care about. And so when I was thinking about this podcast, I started to think about some of the things I care about. And these are some of the things that I'm passionate about. Number one, I'm passionate about communication. I love the various different platforms that we have at our disposal today to be able to communicate to other people, right? We can still go old school and send someone a letter. We could send them an email. We can give them a phone call. We can send them a text message. We can send them a direct message. We can send them a, a FaceTime. There are so many different ways that we can communicate with people uh, via podcast, a book, an audio book, all these different platforms, right? And so I'm really passionate about that. And then the other thing that I'm really passionate about, which I want to go deeper into, this is going to be kind of my, my deep dive for the episode, is the ability to have an original opinion. The lost art of having an opinion. When I talk to my kids and they experience something, right? They watch a movie, they go to school. Uh, one of the things I always ask them is, what do you think about that? And the worst thing they can tell me is, I don't know. Because that means that you had an experience and you weren't able to put it into your own words. I'm not even sure if you're going to retain that information. I'm not even sure if you understood what just happened. And so I always ask my kids, what do you think about that? And sometimes I say, what do you mean? What do you think? How does that make you feel? What do you see? What does that remind you of? I'm building their skill set to be able to see something, interact with something, and then formulate an opinion that is original to them, that reminds them of their experiences, things that they've seen with their own eyes, things that they've gone through, instead of regurgitating someone else's opinion. I want my kids to have their own opinion. That's how passionate about this I am. And now I feel like since I was a kid, way back in the day, a long, 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 long time ago, 31 years old, so 31 years ago, back in 1987, I feel like there was a different landscape and environment for creating your own opinion. Now, I grew up in a house where, as a kid, your opinion wasn't necessarily valued, right? The adults are talking, and you had an opinion, and you wanted to stick yours in there so you can be at the adult table, and you can have a conversation. It wasn't really valued, but I had one, right? And it was what I thought, and when I was... 10 years old, I sound like a 10-year-old with an opinion, 
right? And I was 13 year old and I, I, I sound like a 13 year old with an opinion. I have kids now that I see um, and that I interact with and I hear them say, uh, Donald Trump's a terrible person. I agree with that, right? I do think he's a terrible person, but how do you know that? Like if you're seven, you're eight. How do you know he's a terrible opinion? That's not your opinion. That is someone else saying that around you, you hearing it, and then you repeating it to someone else, right? And so I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about the death of opinions, how very few people today have an original idea, an original opinion, an original perspective, an original take on the things that we all experience together. And so because I'm 31 and I have four kids and it's Saturday and I have no life at all, I started to research. I started to research and look up some of the things that I felt like contributed to America, human beings losing their ability to create a, an original, unique opinion. And so I kind of put a timeline together for myself because that's just the way my brain works. I need to organize it to kind of detail some of the events that I think are important to us collectively losing our ability to create an opinion. Here's the first big event. June 1st, 1980, CNN was launched as the first news channel to provide 24-hour news coverage. June 1st, 1980, CNN was launched as the first channel to provide 24-hour news coverage. Now, you may think, okay, what does that have to do with anything that you just talked about? I'm going to break it down for you, right? Just just let's take some time. We're going to we're going to slow walk this in. I'm going to take some time. I'm going to break this down for you. 24-hour news coverage, right? Before 24-hour news coverage and for a lot of us that grew up in the era that I grew up in before your parents could afford cable, the news came on maybe twice a day, right? You had like the morning news as you're getting ready for school. And then you had the evening news as everyone was having dinner. Those are the only two times you were watching the news. And in addition to that, when you did watch the news, they were just giving you the facts and the information that they had at the time. It wasn't what they thought of what happened. It was just what happened, right? This was an era before political commentary. In fact, there's a great documentary on Netflix. It's called The 90s. And it talks about how TV started to blossom in the 90s. And uh, for most people, most uh, companies, most networks that had their, their TV stations, the news portion of their programming was always a portion that lost money. It just wasn't important, right? It was something that uh, was a service to people to keep you informed so that you know what happened uh, in your local area and you were informed on the local events that were happening around you and you didn't need to be informed all day you needed to be informed once in the morning when you before you go to work and then once you come home from work you found out what happened while you were at work that was it very simple anything else that you saw that you interacted with throughout the day you had to take that information and then give your opinion on it that's where those great debates that your parents had at the dinner table they came from their ability to take some information and create an opinion and they didn't have as much information as we have today. 
right? And so they all saw the same thing. They didn't get their news necessarily from different sources. Everybody watched Channel 6. Everybody watched Channel 59, right? Everybody watched Channel 8, Channel 13. They got that same news story you did, and they were able to have a perspective on it, and you were able to have a perspective on it, and that made dinner taste a little bit better in the evenings when you can talk about something and have your opinion on it and not what the newscaster told you your opinion should be, right? And so June 1st, 1980, that started to change a little bit because now we have 24-hour news coverage. And let me read to you the first uh, broadcast that CNN did by, uh, they had an inaugural broadcast by Ted Turner, who was uh, the one of the founders of CNN. And listen to what he plans, what he uh, he sees as a visionary for CNN. He says, we won't be signing off until the world ends. We'll be on. We'll be covering it live. And that will be our last, last event. We'll play the national anthem for one time on the 1st of June. And that's all. When the end of the world comes, we'll play Nearer My God to Thee before we sign off. That's June 1st, 1980. That was the plan for CNN. We are live. We are here. We are full time and we're not going anywhere. Well, in order for that to happen, some things have to change. In order for that to happen, the news segment of your of your network, especially when it's all news, can no longer be boring. It can't be the non-profitable part of the company. It can't be the part of the day where you know you're going to lose money because you're doing a service to people. No, it's got to be exciting now. You got to get ratings now. You got to make sure that people tune in. Well, what if there's not that much news happening? Well, let's do two things. Let's start reporting the news. And then let's start to talk about the news that we reported. It's called political commentary. Right? And it wasn't just happening in politics. It wasn't just happening with the crime stories and the government and the financial crisis and all this. It was happening in sports, too. Check this out. September In September of 1980, that same year, just three months later, ESPN launched full-time broadcasting during the week and the weekends for 24 hours of content. 24 hours of content. That's what ESPN did in 1980. So everybody's going all in on giving us information. Now check this out. They were involved with a company called Getty Oil, right? Today we would see that company, and it's the same company that we always see Getty Images, right? They were involved with a company named Getty Oil, and Getty Oil was coming in to get their money out of ESPN, which was going to show the news as it relates to sports along with sporting events. And they were going to try to turn this into a profitable business. And in the beginning, it wasn't profitable. In fact, let me read you a little excerpt of their history on what they were trying to do with ESPN, how they were going to figure out how to make this a profitable investment. So after investing another $15 million into the company and no profits expected anytime soon, Getty used management consultant McKinsey and Company to assess ESPN's future. McKinsey's lead consultant was Roger Warner. That name may sound familiar, Roger Warner 
who figured with another $120 million investment in five years, ESPN will become a profit maker. Warner was soon hired by ESPN as vice president of finance, administration, and planning and developing a new business plan for ESPN. Let me pause right there for a second. At this point, ESPN was just broadcasting sporting events, right? They weren't profitable. They started out just broadcasting sporting events in Connecticut, and then they started to uh, work out some deals with some other companies, but they did not have a profitable business margin. Again, again, the, uh, excuse me, business uh, plan. They didn't have a profitable business plan. The point of the news, even if it related to sports at this time, was a loser on TV. It was always a loser. It wasn't something that you did to make money. And so in 1980, people were looking at CNN and ESPN like, you, these guys are crazy. But they brought in this Warner guy, and this guy, his plan was to make the company profitable within the next five years, but he needed $120 million to do it. So let me jump back in. Warner developed a new revenue source beyond advertising by initiating revolutionary affiliate fees paid by the cable operators by number of subscribers starting at six cents. Let me break that down. What that means is he started to strike deals with advertisers that they would pay him to get their product in front of the subscribers to ESPN and they would pay per subscribers. What that means is for every person that watched, ESPN will get paid because now I can put my product in front of X amount of people. They started at six cents per subscriber. So what does that mean now? That means that I have not only an obligation to bring you the information, I also have to make sure that you're entertained by the information. Because if you're entertained, you're going to watch today and you're going to watch tomorrow and you're going to tell your friends to watch tomorrow and their friends and their friends and our subscriber goes up and then we make more money, right? We become profitable. Between CBS Cable folding in October of 1982 and the new CEO, Bill Grimes, they convince most of the reluctant cable providers to pay. That's a six cent per subscribers. By 1985, the fee was 10 cent per subscriber and ESPN was the largest cable company, or sorry, largest, largest cable channel by the end of 1983 with 28.5 million subscribers 28.5 million subscribers you can do the math on that just know that that was a lot of money now you say okay how did they do that how did they go from a company that was not even profitable to a company that ended up having 28.5 million subscribers they started adding personalities they eventually started adding shows that gave you commentary on sports. So you just watched the game, right? You saw what happened. And now we're going to talk about what happened and tell you what we saw. Yeah, that free throw that Kobe missed at the end of the game. Obviously, Kobe wasn't playing during this era, but that's my favorite player of all time. So, I, you know, I used it as an excuse to get him in. But, yeah, I saw that free throw. Okay, well, let's talk about that free throw. They started to break down information that we already know, right? So the news is not just giving us the information and going away anymore. They're giving us the information and telling us what to think about this information. 
It's not this what happened. It's This is what happened, and this is really bad. This is a really sad day for our country. This is a really sad day for this thing. This is a really sad day for that thing. All of these additional commentaries on top of the information started to be fed to us. And so it was very easy for us to repeat what we heard them say, the pundit, the person that's commentating on it, on TV, to our friends, right? All of a sudden, our perspective is the same as Dan Rather's. Our perspective is the same as Lou Dobbs. Now we don't have an original idea because it's easier to take someone else's information and say, yeah, that makes sense. They're the expert. They're on TV. I'm not. Let me say what they said. And so those water cooler conversations started to become a little less interesting. Those conversations that your parents had at the dinner table started to be a little less interesting. We're not talking about our own original ideas anymore. We're just repeating what we heard someone else say. When you do that, it's not the level of passion or creativity or even investment in your argument when you're just repeating what you heard someone else says. As time goes forward, we start to get more news networks to come into play. CNN branches off and does CNN too. ESPN does ESPN too. ESPN News. Um, the internet booms, right? And boom, we got blogs. They're giving us their opinion on things. And then we have, you know, these uh, internet radio shows. We have podcasts. And everybody else is giving us our opinion. And it's easy to go back and spit that out into the world as opposed to getting the right information and doing it yourself. Now we're to the point in 2018 where it's very difficult to even know where to go to get the original source of information. It is so frustrating for me to have to read an article on CNN.com and then read it on Fox News then read it on The Hill and read it on MSNBC and try to figure out where the through line is, right? If I, if I lined them up and this one's leaning to the right and this one's leaning to the left and I drew a line in the middle of the article, that's where I can find the facts. They're not even giving us all the facts anymore. They're putting a spin on the facts based on their opinions, right? And they're doing it in a way that you're. it's going to be easier for you to accept it as fact and share it as your opinion because they're telling you what they think you want to hear. Even when you Google information now, right? It's all a dollars game. It's just like the subscriber situation with ESPN. The longer you stay on there, the longer you have to see the ads that are being sold by Google through these other companies. And so they're going to show you what you want to see. No one Googles something for what they don't want to see. And so when you see something like, uh, you Google something like, is President Trump a jerk? They're going to show you every article and every piece of evidence that there exists online about President Trump being a jerk. They're hiding the facts. And so opinions are dying slower and slower as we go on. There's few people with uh, an original opinion. And so that's what I want to do on this show. I spent way more time on that than I wanted to. But obviously, I'm passionate about creating your own opinion. But it's too easy to adopt someone else's opinion these days. Social media makes it really easy, right? We don't even have to tweet our own ideas. We can just retweet someone else's. And so with this show, just know that every time you come, 
You're going to get some fun. You're going to get some great communication. But most importantly, you're going to get my opinion in my own words. I appreciate you guys listening. Hit me up on Twitter at Tony R. Sanders, on Instagram at Tony R. Sanders. And I think we're going to start a page for the podcast itself. I'm going to do some interactive things with the people who listen, assuming that anybody does listen. And so stay tuned for that information as well. Um, I know a lot of the people that will actually be listening to this to this uh know me personally and so i want to know what your take is what do you think is contributing to people today kids today not having the ability to create an opinion not having the ability to see something and tell us what they think about it what that reminds them of what they're taking what their perspective is right let me know what you think and until next week i will see you guys later I got to figure out how to end this podcast, too. I like how that felt. Uh, Peace out. Stay safe. Love you guys. Love you guys. I like saying love you guys because I love you guys. All right. Peace. Love you guys. Whatever.